Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Welcome back to another episode of Revolution Recap, coming to you after a nil-nil draw between the Revs and the Whitecaps that wasn't without chances for either side. Georgi Petrovic really showed what he's made of, earning his first MLS clean sheet and helping the Revs leave Canada with one point. My name is Chris Belukas. Joining me today from the Bent Musket, it's Jake Katniss. Jake's, thank you, uh, Jake's, that's an interesting way to say your name, but Jake... Thank you so much for taking the time to join me tonight. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm I'm very honored to make my debut at the, I don't know, like the third way of the season mark. It's been a rough year, I think, for a lot of us yeah. in Rebs land, getting people onto the field consistently. I understand why it's so hard and the angst and problems that Bruce Arena goes through every week trying to put together a lineup that looks the same, and yet he doesn't have nearly the same players as he did the week before half the time. It's kind of maddening, isn't it? Um, This roster is just ever evolving and it can't seem to find any sort of cohesion uh, going in any direction. Um, Before we get too far into into your thoughts on that, though, um, I wanted to just quickly mention that we're going to jump into our key takeaways. And those are brought to you tonight by our friends at The Rebellion. Be sure to check them out on Twitter at AnyRebellion or over at their website, www.anyrebellion.org. And Jake... Let's kick it straight to you. I want to get into these key takeaways. You kind of started talking about Bruce a little bit. I don't know if that's where you're going with this, but uh, hit us with it. What is your key takeaway from tonight's draw? I just I think my my key takeaway is until the Revs figure out their best formation, and that might not happen for another couple of months. There's going to be possibly incoming new players and everything else. I don't think Bruce Arena has done a great job the last couple of weeks about getting people into their best positions. I don't think Tristison was the answer to play next to Carlos Heel today. Uh, I don't think uh, Tommy McNamara was the answer to that question a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you're going to start Josie Altheroff top, I have no problem with Gustavo Bo being out wide. 
But I really think when you, you know, right now the Rebs and the, the attacking group behind the striker, whether that's Bo or whether that's Altidore, you have Carlos Hill, you have, you have Dylan Barrero, and then you really need to have, in my opinion, he's either got to be Emma Boateng or Damian Rivera. If Sebastian Lecce is out, you need someone who's making late runs into the box. You need another mm-hmm. way to stretch the defense. And New England far too often has to wait for numbers to get forward. And I don't have a problem with that because right now, the way the Reds' formation is, you don't have Brandon by. You know De La Garza is going to be sitting back. De La Garza did great today making very, very late runs when the Reds are established in possession. He joins in late. He gets to send in crosses, and that causes problems because now, you know, Vancouver's looking around at numbers going, wait, I thought we had everyone covered. Not so much. The Revs aren't getting those types of situations. They're not generating overloads. Only Barrero is taking people on, and even he doesn't do that often enough. There's just there's an imbalance to this team right now, and it's frustrating because you can see certain plays, you know, Barrero taking people on, you know, Gill on the ball at the top of the box where you think, hey, this is going to work. And then there's just not enough movement. There's not enough mm-hmm. on the final ball. There's just something missing. And I think you're right. I think there is a lack of cohesion. There's a lack of balance. There's a lack of chemistry right now. And that's to be expected. This is always new. This is going to be like this in 2022. Um, but this streak where the Reds, you know, nine games unbeaten, that's impressive. Regardless of whatever we think, yes, five draws are in that mix. Probably should be more like five wins or six wins. You probably should have beaten Columbus. You definitely should have beaten uh, the Union. You, you mm-hmm. put up your best expected goals game against the Union. You tied them 1-1. But yeah, you know, New England, did they play badly today? No. Was the game there for either team to take? Yes. Is a point absolutely a fair result? Yes, particularly on the road. Take the point, get back on the plane. You know, come back to the U.S., you're fine. Um, but it was, I, th- I think it's a very, very frustrating game for the Revolution because you can tell that they're close, and at the same time, they still might be a piece or two away. And those pieces just are out injured. Kessler's out injured. Polster's out injured. Lechev's out injured. There's just so many things where you're like, they're close. And I think that's that's the most frustrating part. I, I fully agree with that take. It, it, it does feel like they're close. They're linking it together and really making you get excited. Like you mentioned it before, once, you know, when Heel gets it at the top of the box or mm-hmm. Ferrero's bringing it down into the byline. And you're thinking something's going to happen. This is going to be the moment. And it just all falls apart or there's not enough support. So 100%, um, I, I get where you're coming from on that. And it's frustrating, you know, as a as a fan or as someone that's just going to talk about the Revs. Any side you're looking at it as a casual fan of MLS, you're watching it and it's you're wanting to see some good football, some exciting plays, some good runs. And you don't see that final product. Mm-hmm. Um with this current revolution team that we're we're seeing out there right now, I think with this roster, there should be a lot more chances created, a lot more goals, a lot more offensive production. So yeah. it, it's been it's been tough um, seeing that that kind of missing. Uh, anything else before I jump on to uh, my takeaway? No, I mean, two of 16 shooting today is bad. No matter yes. how you slice it, that's bad. Only generating one expected goal in a very, very wide open game is not great. Now I understand Vancouver generated the same amount of goals, a lot of great emergency defending from Petrovic and Bell and others. Today was not a bad, if you were a neutral fan, this was a very entertaining zero zero. I'm not saying this was a boring game. I'm not saying the Revs were awful, but the final product was immensely lacking today. And we've noticed that in spurts in other games Mm -hmm. where the Revs aren't generating the number of shots that they took today. And there's a late flurry of everyone shooting the final 15 minutes. I get it. Yeah. 
but you can just tell like, you know, this is a team they, they're, they're almost, and I know I've said this about Bruce teams before. They're almost too patient and you mm-hmm. almost want them just go three on three and just beat someone because Tejon I- used to do that all the time. And I know Tejon's not here anymore, but you still have that mentality and the personnel on the field to do that. And they just don't for some reason. And that, that you're, you're taking yourself out of situations by waiting. Don't wait, go make something happen. You know, it's interesting you're talking about the patience piece, too, because a lot of what I'm seeing is uh, the way that Georgi Petrovic has been playing. He's impatient, if anything, or or just he's not <laughs> so comfortable holding on to the ball. He's looking to get rid of it yeah. like right away, uh, yeah. almost to to a fault. You know, there was that one play late in the second yep. half where it was a giveaway, tried throwing it out to Bo. No one else was around. There was like 10 players in the box. Oh, obviously that 10 is too many that math doesn't add up, but I think you get the point that I'm saying here is that he, there was not any support for Bo on that outlet right there. I don't know why he went, but it shows that's the tempo that he's playing with. He's trying to get it going. He wants to get it moving more direct, get downfield. The revs aren't always playing that way. Uh, Like you said, I mean, there's, there's no just taking the, taking a defender on or just trying to get down the field. And and for that play in particular for Petrovic, I don't know if he gets that ball to Bo. Bo turns how much space is behind Bo. My guess is probably a lot. That's something mm-hmm. I like the aggression from Petrovic there. I do. I don't mind that. From I do. Him. Yeah. Um, I'm saying. But like it's it's the same thing where it's just like he's going to learn and get better at that. The fact that he can actually go and hook that ball 30 yards down the field already, <laughs> it would have gotten to Bo. Obviously, the defender made a good play. It's more, I think, on the defender and Bo maybe not realizing that the defender's there. I won't put that yes. all on Petrovic. But yes, that's not a play where you want where that comes right back at you. When he makes mm-hmm. that mistake, at least the Rebs were at least back on defense and they were able to cover that. Yep. But yeah, well, and when it came back, field, you know, Petrovic did clean it up. Make so another good, save. Good yeah. So, I mean, that's it's I don't have a problem like that. That play I like perfectly fine. It doesn't work, but I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's just there's like I said, there's there's that's the cohesion. That's the chemistry where you're just like something's not 100 percent yet, but we're close. We see it. It's just not the entire puzzle is not there. And then uh, one last point before I jump into my takeaway here was that you you brought up the shots on target. It was two out of 16 for the Revs. Uh, Vancouver shot six out of their 16 on target, which is obviously a much better ratio. But I think the bigger number to look at is, you know, there's a lot of block shots and uh, mm-hmm. whatever else is happening on those shots. Ten out of the 16 shots that the Revolution took were off target. And that's a number that's jumping out to me like <laughs> – why can't you put the ball in frame? I know one of them was Barrero's, you know, rocket shot that hit yes. hit the post. Fine, Which I hit the post all day. Count. That to me should count as a shot on goal. Like obviously, like you hit the goal. You obviously the goalkeeper didn't make a save. That's fine, but that should be yes. You should have blocks and you should have posts. That should be in this in in the box score. It, 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 there is a box score item for hit would work, but it still counts as an off target shot. Off target, right. technically no, it would never go in the net even if there was no keeper. But regardless, like ten shots out of sixteen off target. That's yeah. I mean, that's a glaring number to look at. You know, if you want to talk about how many Vancouver had, they only had five of their 16, so they had half as many shots off target. Mm-hmm. Um, there, only two of the rev shots were blocked. So, and that doesn't even uh, count four, some of the, I mean, some of, right, and that doesn't even count some of the plays. I know Vancouver had a handful of these where I don't think they even get a shot off. The play gets cut out, ball gets cut back to no one. Like there were a lot more chances for both teams in this game than like the the shots or in particular i think the expected goals numbers would indicate it was a very wide open game to have you know 32 shots you think oh that's a lot it probably should have been closer to 40 or 45 if not even almost 50 because that's how many that's how wide open this game was yeah 100 um i'm gonna jump into into my takeaway 
Um, I, I wanted to talk about Brandon by really quick because it, I, obviously he didn't play tonight. He's out injured. Uh, and I think his absence is really what, what I'm noticing and how much his, his presence on the pitch really adds to the, to the revolution's attacking dynamic without having that, you know, the, the, I tweeted about this earlier too. Revs are lacking that, that dual threat wing back style attack that really just can attack a defense from both sides at any time coming down the sides. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, Brennan by is obviously not attacking with as much like tenacity as Dewan Jones on the other side, but they bring different values and it's really fun to get to watch them, you know, both, play the game their way down their sides. Brandon Bai is able to get down the pitch, get down quickly. He's gotten so much better at crossing it. I love watching it cross it, but also he's, he's an aerial threat too. another factor when it comes to uh, uh, plays in the box. I think the Revs only had, I think was it three or four uh, corner kicks. It was four corner kicks, which I think is a low number for the Revs uh, this season. But that's another piece where Brandon Bai was kind of missing was there. I want to say, as far as right back goes, I think AJ De La Garza did a, a fine job. Uh, you can't ask a whole lot more out of a depth piece, right? You know, if you're wanting an, like a star depth piece, it just doesn't make any sense. AJ De La Garza did exactly what he needed to do. I think he only made one mistake, and he quickly tracked back and fixed that. There was there was no costing the game. There's some things that he does I think better than Brennan By where it comes to actual one on one defending. Uh, but I, De La Garza, I thought had a, had a really solid night. So nothing against him when I'm talking about like needing Brandon by out there. Uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to see, uh, AJD on that lineup, uh, week in and week out if that's how it has to happen. But I think the Revs are direly, uh, missing Brandon by and that speed and just that, that other dynamic ability. There was no attack really coming down the right side. You mentioned it earlier. De La Garza did the one thing where he came in trailing late to join the attack. And that was a new piece that we're not really used to seeing uh, from the revolution, but that's not necessarily the style of play that they're really going for. Maybe I guess if, if Josie is going to be trailing into the box, you know, three minutes after the play develops in the attack. And then that's when De La Garza comes in as well. Maybe that's going to work out better, but overall, I think, you know, just missing Brandon by has just been huge. Um, so I don't know if you have anything to add, on Brandon by, but uh, that's that's where I'm going tonight. Yeah, no, that's but I think that goes back to the, my, my point from earlier, where like you 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 don't have enough people in the box, and when you have Brandon by, you know, receiving that ball, you would hope that he receives it in a position that would happen a lot. The play would develop a lot faster, where by is already out wide and has maybe pulled the defender away, as opposed to De La Garza just overlapping and just being the only one there. Um, but yeah, it's it's just I I think that's what you know, going going back to my, my earlier point is that it's it's a very similar problem where you just the revs aren't able to work the same types of matchups, but they're playing kind of the same style as if Books is still on the field, as if um, Tejan Buchanan is still on the field, and, and that's just not the case anymore. And I don't know if we've seen like a full adjustment to having a non-target man up at striker. You know, Josie's not I don't think a terrible number nine holdup guy. Um, but that's not Bo's game at all. Bo's game, you want through balls. You mm-hmm. want him running into the ball. You want him playing off Barrero. You want, you know, you want them, you know, Barrero, Bo, uh, heel, uh, Boateng. Uh, 
Damien, you want those guys running at people. And the Revolution, I think, are today in particular, I think were too passive at times and waited instead of attempting to really, like, you know, generate something for themselves. I don't have a problem with bow or heel or anyone playing hero ball and just being like, you know what? I'm going to beat this guy and try and shoot. Go for it. Absolutely go for it. You've got a three on three. I don't have a problem trying to make something happen. Vancouver did it too. Vancouver had a number of opportunities where instead of just going at target, they waited and waited and never got a shot off. You know, right. and you can say that oh, I was good emergency defending, but you know, Lucas Cavallini had a had a, was around the goalkeeper. And all he had to do was just either find his open man or just try and put a shot on target. And the odds are Pedrovic from two feet away isn't going to be able to rack, react to it. If it gets behind him, it's a goal. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those games. It's, it's, I think, frustrating yet entertaining at the same time. Like, I wasn't disappointed I watched the game tonight. The rare time I get to watch a game from start to finish um, as it's happening live as opposed to, you know, several hours after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's just like you, you can see the Revs game plan. You can see some of the tweaks that they've made. Um, I do like, in particular, uh, Barrero as not like a full-blown winger, but kind of sort of like you're almost playing like three attacking mids, and one just kind of drifts out wide every now and again. And then the other two just help push the back line. But I don't think Bo does that enough as the lone striker. He doesn't push the back line enough. He comes back too much. It, it You, you want to be able to figure out a way how to make that space work, and the Revs just haven't done that consistently yet. I think those are all... Uh... Great points, and I fully agree with all of that. I mean, especially the the piece on uh, on Altador. Um, I, I agree. I think with if you give Altador the ball and he's in a shooting position, I would rate him yeah. higher than a lot of other MLS players. I have, majority. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I have no problem with Josie deciding. You know, let's let's go on and get them all. And just you know, and shoot. I have no problem with that. I just think a lot of the times when when Josie and Hill and some of these guys get on the ball, they have to create too much of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. to shoot where do, it really yeah. should just be, Hey, I'm going to take a touch and just go instead of I'm going to take a touch and then another touch. And then I still want to try and shoot this ball. Now you got four guys in front of you. Well, now you better pass the ball because there's four guys staring at you and someone else should be open. Um, and I don't think the crossing from the revs today was great overall. Um, it caused some problems, but it wasn't, it wasn't like they were going to be scoring a lot of goals on it. I don't know. Just one of those games. It's, it's frustrating, but it's not the end of the world at the same time. Yep. That. Uh, well, I wanted to to talk about the the lineup with you, right? So the Revs kind of rolled out the same eleven almost uh, as they did last week, where there was one change. Uh, Arnold Tristan came in uh, instead of Josie Altador, and of course, it's going to change the the formation as well um, when you make that sort of switch. But was there any surprises? Did you expect more changes possibly to be made, or? Uh, were you surprised that Josie didn't get the start, considering that uh, he's supposed to be getting closer and closer to match fitness? No, I mean, I, I I think the lineup was fine. I don't think the lineup was was ideal. Um, I, I don't think Tristison. I don't think you really want Tristison in like that hybrid attacking mid winger role. I think you'd really want him in a true center midfield role. Mm-hmm. which the Rebs aren't really using with the diamond anymore. If there was ever a week to maybe go back to the diamond and just try it, right. I, this might've been the week to, to go, to go and try and do that. Maybe, you know, maybe, you know, Tommy Max on a yellow card accumulation suspension thing. Maybe you decide you may, we kind of need him in case Matt Bolster's out for several more weeks. Maybe let's keep him off the field unless we desperately needed late to close out a game. You know, maybe, maybe you mess around with the lineup. Maybe you decide, 
you know, maybe you go with, you know, something weird like Gustavo Bo and Barrero is like, you know, your strike partnership. Like, I don't think <laughs> weird things like that with the with the personnel the Rebs have right now that are missing, I don't think is completely out of bounds. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think Tristan was bad today, but it's also that's not the role that the Rebs need him in, and nor is that a role that lets him, I think, doesn't put his best assets together. I think he's a box-to-box guy at this point. I think he can do that very, very well when you put him out off kind of sort of covering like a quadrant where he's, you know, half winger, half attacking midfield. That's, that's not where his best skills are. And and that's where, you know, really that's where yet uh, Sebastian Lechet is. And the Revs don't really have another player like, like Lechet. And that's why I think that this formation works really well when he's on the field. So I would have started Damien Rivera. Um, I would have liked to have seen Renix at some point in this game as the second striker, because again, it, it goes to the, you want guys running behind people. That's not what Josie's really there for. Josie's there to, I think, be the Buxa off the bench, be the target guy, be the holdup guy, help you control the game, which the Rebs did at certain points today. But just the the breaking down in the final third, Josie's really not going to add a whole lot with you there. Uh, maybe he cleans up a couple of shots in the box or things like that. But yeah, it, it was a, an interesting game from, from Bruce and from the team. I think it was a little conservative. But at the same time, you know, you've got, you know, an entire flank, you've got a, a flank of partnership of, of Tristison and De La Garza. That's not a, a right side. That's going to be like super dangerous going forward. And, and you know that, but that's fine. If you know, your left flank of Jones and Barrero is going to be dominant. And at times it was, so mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it was one of those things where I just thought the, there's the final ball just wasn't there for the Rebs today. They did just enough defensively. There's nothing wrong with the point. Obviously we know Petrovic, I think is, is, the guy i think yes. i think we've established that in he hasn't so. been there that long and i think that's great for him that he was able to kind of sort of settle in grab some games in the open cup grab a couple of games when when matt turner was out and uh, with the usa and just, you you can clearly see petrovic gets it i think he's only going to get better um and really really i think the revs have one more year they've got this summer window and then they've got the winter off season you still have a very very good core of players from the shield run you have a go at this you have a go at an MLS cup. You have a go at, you know, something like a CCL, you have a go at another shield. Um, but the window, the window is closing and the revs have to make, I think a lot of big decisions about their roster um, going forward, whether they're going to sign another DP, whether they're going to go with a lot of, you know, U 22 initiative type players um, like Barrero is as far mm-hmm. as roster designations. Yep. Uh, it's going to be interesting there. I don't think there's a wrong answer for the revs to do this, Um but I think it's very clear at the same time the Reds do need help. Right. And I, I, I agree with you. I mean, Petrovic is definitely going to be the guy, and it's been really awesome to see him step in and I almost feel like we haven't really lost a beat as no. far as how the goalkeeper position is going. Um, but getting back towards the lineup real quick, too, uh, you brought up uh, possibly starting Damian Rivera, and I'm assuming that's over Tristison and shaking mm-hmm. up the, uh, the the formation a bit. And it, it's really interesting. I, I really like that idea quite a bit. I, I hadn't really thought of uh, starting starting Damian Rivera. But, you know, Gustavo Bo, I think, in my opinion, and I think we're going to get to this a little bit later in more detail uh, in the in the listener questions, but Gustavo Bo could really use some support up top, someone to, yeah. to stretch the defense, someone to provide a bit more space for him because when it, when he's the guy, everyone's closing him down. Mm-hmm. Right now, I mean, the Revs had like Gustavo Bo and Carles Hill are the two guys yeah. that you need to close down. Barrero was causing trouble, but it, he's still 
he's still too raw. He's not refined enough where he's going to beat beat Vancouver by himself. Um, and and that's that's kind of where it was. And it was it was almost a one dimensional type of attack. So um, I think Damien Rivera. That's a that's a pretty good shout. I, I like that a lot. Um, definitely nothing that I had thought of. Um, and I had another thought too as far as what I thought the. Uh, uh, the lineup should have been and it has totally totally gone away from me so i think we're just going to move on from that we do have a ton of listener questions so i do want to get into those i'm i i am very intrigued as to where where the listeners have gone for this because there's a lot of different things you can go with with this game so i'm I'm very intrigued if a lot of people are angry or disappointed or i will say i think the overall vibe of the questions is inquisitive and generally positive uh, it's, okay. Okay. there was a ton of different and varying questions this week, uh, which is fantastic. Normally it's always, uh, uh 10 questions that are around the same <laughs> topic. You know, it's, it's like the same main, main takeaway. And I totally get it. Cause those are the yeah. questions everyone wants to know the same, same from my perspective as well. It's, it's a lot of very different questions this week. So it's going to be very fun to get into, but before we do jump into those questions, I do want to take a quick minute. Talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Galasso Kits. Galasso Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. Passion for the beautiful game does not have borders, and neither does their selection. And if you head to GalassoKits.com today, you can get 15% off your order using code REVSRECAP. That's REVSRECAP at checkout for 15% off your order at www.GalassoKits.com. So, Jake, uh, you're ready to get into these, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to start out with uh, James Downing, big supporter of the podcast. James was sending in question and then another one and then another one, and he had his final one. So we're going to quickly <laughs> run through James's questions. Uh, James, over on Twitter, thank you so much for sending him in. Uh, says, uh, I, I don't remember which one came in first. I, I got these out of order, so I apologize, James, but we're going to try to get through these. Uh, he says, time and time again, we saw a heel drop back into defense. Try to make something happen as Vancouver seemed to compact for the Revs to break down. Obviously, it's difficult to go to the West Coast. Oh, this is a different question. I messed that part up. But so as far as uh, Carlos Hill dropping back to the defense to make something happen, you kind of brought that up a little bit in, in your key takeaway, too. Yes. Um, did, was there anything else that you kind of saw around Carlos Hill's positioning or uh it is it's definitely frustrating to see him have to have to drop so far back it, it was bizarre because you saw tommy mcnamara playing almost as a third center back at times too so I, i'm not really sure what the need was for carlos heel to drop back so much but he was he was back there a lot yeah i think the the it's not so much that that you know carlos dropping back into the deep midfield to get the ball is fine carlos heel dropping back into matt polster territory as a third center back that's bad because now your best creative force is 50 yards farther away from goal than he should be. Um, as far as how to solve this problem, let Captoon be that guy. If Matt Polster's not there, let Captoon or Massiel, you know, be that guy that picks up and receives the ball. And then their sole job is mostly to get it to Carlos Hill and mm-hmm. get it to Carlos Hill in a position where Carlos Hill is already facing goal. We can't have a, you know, a, the Revs team where, you know, Carlos Hill is leading the line, you know, 70 yards away from his goal. That's just not an effective way for the Revs to run possession out of the back. Uh, you need Carlos Hill in the midfield at the deepest point. You really want him in the advanced midfield to almost the final third when he gets the ball for the first or maybe after a triangle the second time. Um, him picking up the ball 
70 yards away from goal in his own half is not where you want the revs to be on the road. Do I hate it? No. When Matt Polster comes back, it's not an issue. Matt Polster does that and Polster can help move the ball forward. That's not an issue. Um, do the revs need someone else to do that when Polster's not around? Yes. Should, I mm-hmm. think that should be Captoom, maybe even a Massiel. Uh, Tommy Mack really is there as your destroyer. I Tommy Mack on the ball, I don't think was that great today, but he also got it in a lot of weird positions. I don't want to put that all on, on Tommy. We know what, we know what Tommy can do and he's very good at his job, but yeah, that's, that's something that I think I noticed at least three or four times. I'm like, why is Carlos Hill 80 yards away from goal? This is not help us at all. It, it, it's frustrating. And you want to see Carlos Hill up, but up, in the attack, you know, Gustavo Bo can't do it on his own. He doesn't have the pace to beat anybody anymore. Uh, he doesn't have the dribbling ability to get past anybody unless you're, I guess, Michael Boxel uh, running backwards. And that's that's the only – there's no yeah. support. There's, there, I mean, I guess, you know, Barrero, Dylan Barrero is providing quite a bit of, of, of width up there too. But Carlos Hill is the creator. He's the one that's going to be up there orchestrating everything. He's the maestro. So – uh, having him drop back is definitely frustrating. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep running through James's questions here. Uh, he he wanted to know. Obviously, it's difficult to go to the West Coast and earn a point. Uh, should we be happy the unbeaten streak rolls on, or should we be concerned that the Revs' defense consistently had no midfield options to play the ball out of the back against uh, for this counterattacking team? Um, I think yeah, that's that is interesting. Again, that's that's more of a very like a matchup thing. Vancouver mm-hmm. plays a very specific. I think kind of sort of, you know, open counterattacky style. Yep. Um, and that's with the, with the personnel, the Reds had today, that's just something they were going to have to give up a little bit, I think. Uh, so I don't necessarily think it's, it was a bad thing the way the Reds played today. I think it was just kind of sort of necessary that you just understood this is what Vancouver is going to do. And we really can't take that away from them. We just have to be careful. And I think the Revs did, a reasonable to even a good job at limiting the number of absolute screw-ups that came right back at them. Obviously we talked about Petrovic's um, one Tom Brady, Matt Turner interception uh, (laughs) that came back, but that wasn't like an immediate, Oh my God, it was so bad. There's a shot on goal, like three seconds out. In fact, no Vancouver had to work the ball back. It was like 10 or 15 seconds after the fact. So yeah, it's, it's not, it's not great, but at the same time, I don't think there's anything the Rebs could really have done that much differently that's just what vancouver's going to do and there's you're not going to stop vancouver from doing that vancouver wants to be out on the counter they're going to sit back and then they're going to play direct and then they're going to run at you and that was really what the entire second half was and both teams were doing it it was just a matter of which team was going to be opportunistic and grab the goal and the answer to that question was no one right and so and we should be happy that the unbeaten streak rolls on i mean i think yes i'm happy yes absolutely you're never unhappy listen the revolution were in a spot a couple of months ago where we thought this was not even a playoff team now there's a very good chance not only are they a playoff team there's a very good chance this team probably can and should host a home game the first week of the playoffs which from where they were a couple of months ago is perfectly fine um you were never going to be the same shield winning team as last year not losing buchanan not losing Buxa, not losing Turner. You knew there was going to be not only a drop-off, there's going to be a period of adjustment. The goal, I think, for this year was to take that period of adjustment, shorten it down as much as possible, so that in 2023, your guys like Barrero and Petrovic and whoever else might come in, they're ready to go from day one, and you can you know, have a go at you know, an MLS Cup, maybe even a U.S. Open Cup, 
Um, I don't think the Reds are going to make the, the Don't CCL. break my heart on the Open Cup again. I'm just listen. It is the Open Cup is the, is a crapshoot. If you really want to go for it, you can you can go for it. Uh, most teams, I don't think, go for it. We didn't go for it, which is again based on you know roster and everything else. Perfectly acceptable decision to put out a you know B minus lineup in Queens a couple weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's it's never a bad time to go out to the West Coast and get a point. Um, can we be disappointed that it could have been three points? Yes. Do I think it should have been three points? No. Well, James also wants to know, uh, Georgia Petrovich looked excellent tonight. I think we can both agree with that. I think everybody agrees with that. I think the stat line agrees with that. Six saves, fantastic night, man of the match, all around. Uh, so no argument with him looking excellent. But uh, James's real question is, is uh, Georgia the best job the Revs front office has ever done of replacing a departing player? And, you know, I got to say, it's it's looking that way. It might, it might be a bit early doors to be to be really making that distinction. But overall, I mean, it's almost like there hasn't the Revs haven't missed a beat as far as goalkeeper goes uh, with Matt Turner leaving. Their biggest uh, issues, I guess, was when Earl Edwards Jr. was was a net early on in the season. But uh, that's not a Petrovich issue. So um, for me, I'm saying yes, but I also didn't follow the team as closely for many years. (laughs) Jake. Uh, I, I'm sure you got something up your sleeve. Uh, well, listen, I, I don't want to throw Brad Knight and Earl Edwards under the bus for they did, I think, more than adequate job as the second and or third goalkeeper at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, they, they were there to do their job. Matt Turner was out injured. Um, this is the most proactive the revolution have ever been at replacing players. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I say that with the caveat that they, they I don't think they were proactive enough as they should have been this offseason, knowing you're definitely losing Turner. You've already lost Buchanan. You brought in Josie. I think he's a fine depth option. Brought in Letjet. He's a legitimate starter option. And you brought in Omar. We're not going to talk about Omar. We've done that, I think, on this podcast enough. We don't yep. need to add my same opinion, concurring opinion to everyone else there. Um, New England identified and realized very early on they were still one attacking midfielder slash winger short, and they went out and they got Barrero. They realized guy, if Matt Turner's going to miss more time with the USA, which he, and he's going to even when he comes back, we're going to need a starter. I don't know if we can platoon Edwards and Knighton and maybe get a result like this tonight. Maybe you give up. Maybe, you know, Cavallini slots in that ball home because someone plays the ball differently. So, yeah, I, this is the most proactive the revolution have ever been in, in that they got two guys in before the end of the summer window. They got in a U-22 initiative player. They got in Petrovic on a legitimate transfer from Kukariki in Serbia. And he seems to be a very good goalkeeper, possibly even, you know, maybe a you know, future international goalkeeper for Serbia if he hasn't already gotten a couple of caps for them. Mm-hmm. He'll probably if he has more. I believe he has been capped, yeah. Okay. I don't maybe I don't know if it's been unfriendly, but I he he might feature in a legitimate tournament at some point in his career for Serbia, if not a couple of legitimate tournaments uh and World Cup qualifying. And I think that New England, I correctly identified for the first time, possibly ever, um, that, yes, we need to be proactive. We haven't done a good enough job. We need to go out and we need to get more. Whereas in years past, that did not occur. Um, that's not to say the revolution, like every signing they've ever made has been terrible. You know, Milton Caraglio, Jerry Banks, and those were good. Those are good players. They didn't work out in New England. They didn't get enough other signings in to support 
those players. You think, oh, we need to go get a striker and that'll solve all of our issues 10 years ago. No, that's not how this works. You need to have far more than the revolution had beginning of the year. Beginning of the year, obviously with injuries and everything else, you can't really fix that. But even at the beginning of the year, when you had what you thought was your best overall lineup, you were still an attacking player short. You still needed someone to play next to Letjet and Carlos Heel in that attacking midfield. And the revolution correctly identified that player was not on the roster. They went and addressed that problem. They knew that a starting goalkeeper was going to be brought in. They didn't wait for the summer window. They waited and got their guy in before Matt Turner left. Um, that is the sign, in my opinion, of how far the Revs have come in the short few years of Bruce Arena at the helm. In past years, those moves probably don't get made, and you're probably just, ah, eh, we'll fix it in post. No, in in past years, it's the Jacob Jackson route. It's the super draft. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully, we got our guy. And I think th those types of depth options and developing things like that, those can pan out in a pinch, and those are very effective. But the revolution, you know, with the resources that they have now financially from the transfers out, um, you need significantly more from the offseason. Like you knew you've got a sale of Turner pending. You know you can go out and spend money. Go do it. Um, there's no reason why Barrero, you couldn't try to bring him in at the beginning of the year or player like Barrero. Obviously, I know you have your guy, you want to you want to get him, you want to sign him. But, you know, this is not it's not like the, you know, Buchanan sale just suddenly popped up in January. You knew about that nine months ago. Um, that was finalized last summer. Like you, this is nothing new for replacing Buchanan. So, yes, you know, is this the best job the revolution have done from a like to like player for Petrovic and Turner? Honestly, it might be. Um, but at the very least, this is the most proactive like May, the end of the summer, like primary transfer window, the most proactive the Revs have been at identifying we need we need help. We're shorthanded right now. And then they went out and they actually did it. And that's a very, very rare occasion. I'm going to say it's never happened before, but it's never happened to this successfully before. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, the only question now is how sustainable is it? It seems like it might be might be a long term thing. Hopefully it is. Georgie mm -hmm. Petrovich doing awesome. There's one other question from James on Georgie Petrovich. And I think Jake, having you on tonight is going to be the perfect thing because I, I know you love puns. Twitter oh, knows dear. you love puns. Oh, so we got to no. find something here. It's it's not a pun. We're asking for one. All right. He wants to know what's the Turner train equivalent for Petrovich. And Ooh. I was I was tweeting out earlier that, you know, he needs he needs some sort of like some Petra station. So it's like the a play on the, the petrol stations. Pet, uh, Petrovic over. Petrol? Let's yeah. The, you know, we're going to need petrol. this is. I don't know if ben, I'm going to, I'm going to tweet it Ben softly later. Ben softly is my Eastern language, European and pronunciation expert. Ben softly. I do not think will fail us in this category. Okay. That's awesome. We'll, we'll, we're looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, but I think the debates to that, we got to find, we got to find something. Um, and then James had one last question. I think we're spending a full 10 minutes on, on James's questions right now. Um, <laughs> But he says, final question, I promise. What's your thoughts on Bale and Chiellini to LAFC on TAM deals somehow? Do you have any opinion on this? Um, I thought I thought I thought Chiellini was an actual DP. I could be wrong. Maybe he is TAM. Um I I didn't catch the full details of the Chiellini deal, I, so uh listen, I uh, Bale, I think, can come into MLS and do very, very well. That's the Bale is who he is. In this league, with his skill set, just on set pieces, he can do a lot of good 
for LAFC. Um, I, I, the only thing I will say about Cellini is that I think he will do better than Pirlo's last year at NYCFC. I'm going <laughs> to set the bar that low because oh. I don't, I don't watch enough Syria. I know he's a good player, I, but he's also a defender in a league that is known for um, speed and attacking and that type of intelligence from an old center back just it might not be or an old holding midfield might just not be how that works yep well i, I will add uh Chiellini is not listed as a designated player okay so that on the lafc deal. website it might, uh, it might have both been tam deals then i don't know how bail gets in as a tam deal unless he's just literally making less than a million a year uh, they might have paid him in golf courses i don't know that's the, uh, that'd be an interesting way of doing that <laughs> it's it's the new type of Beckham deal, I guess. Um, well, furthering down this path, while we're talking about Gareth Bale, uh, Alex Dolan, he had a question. It was it's for it's for Sean Donahue. Obviously, Sean's not on the pod tonight, but I wanted to know if Sean was open to moving to LA with him to hang out on golf courses all day, waiting to meet Gareth Bale. And I mean, I don't know why he's only asking Sean. I'd love to do, go do that. Let's. Uh, I, well, maybe not move, but you know, let's let's just take take a week. Go I mean, it's some you have to. It's, if you don't already have a shirt that says, like you know, Wales Golf LAFC in that order. Like if you don't already have that shirt and you're LAFC, you're doing it wrong. I'm very sorry. That's how this works now. Um, <laughs> LAFC should know better and should already have this going. Yep. Um, yeah, that's how that's work. That's literally how that works. That shirt should already exist. We should already be able to buy it. Yes. Uh, I mean, in uh, at, at full context, I do know why he's calling out Sean because obviously Sean is a huge Spurs fan. Um, yes. So it, it does make sense. But I mean, I don't need to exclude me on this deal. Come on. <laughs> and I'd love to meet Gareth Bale. He seems like a fine human being. Uh, um, all right. So we got a whole lot more questions. I know uh, James and Alex, thank you so much for the sending years in. I'm going to try to move through these. I don't know how much time we can spend on each one of them because we got to try to get to all of them uh, as best we can. Tyler O'Brien over on Twitter. Two strikers are one. Bo sometimes struggles to find um, to find the game like so far, like he did in uh, tonight's game. Uh, when he's when he's playing alone, he has trouble. But during the Books of Bo era, uh, he sometimes struggles to control the midfield. So what do you think kind of works best for him? What's what's the best solution there? Um, I, I mean, Bo... Um, Bose, honestly, he's a second striker. I think we all know this. We know what mm-hmm. his best, what you know, what his best role is. Um, I think the problem for Bo is that when the Revs need him to be the lone striker, he has a he has too many games like he did today, and it wasn't like he was bad today. But your job as a striker is to put shots on target and make the goalkeeper make saves and and do things. And and the Revs as a team didn't do that enough. And you would expect Gustavo Bo along with Carlos Hill to be the people leading the line and getting shots on target and making things happen. And just, it didn't, it didn't happen today yep. and that's uh, fine, but we need, we are going to need Gustavo Bo to really go back and be, I think the lone striker uh, because I don't see the revs going back to a two striker formation unless they bring in a like for like books or replacement next month. Yeah. And I'll add to with Gustavo Bo. Eight of the Revolution's 16 shots tonight uh, were from Gustavo Bo himself. So 50% of the shot production yeah. was Gustavo Bo. Three of those got blocked. One of them was on target. Um, so when you have one of eight 
shots on target. Mm-hmm. That's that's a problem too. I mean, Gustavo's taking shots at least, which is a nice thing to see. Yes, but he's just got to start hitting the net and stop worrying so much about trying to beat the keeper. Just get him on frame. He'll beat the keeper eventually. Like yeah, if if you put four of eight on on net, I think at least one of those is going in. I mean, it, don't also, don't I think... don't try to kill it. You know? Yeah, you also, you also, obviously, yes, you want to get them on target. Always put your shots on target, kids. You, you don't, oh. field goals do not count in this sport. But at the same time, this also goes to the, I don't, you know, Gustavo doesn't have enough support in the box. So everyone is closing yes. in on him. A lot of shots are getting blocked. He's not getting wide open looks. He and Heel and Barrera, like they were having to take people on and, and create on their own. Really, the only person who does that effectively is Barrero. Everyone else you want getting the ball in space and just one timing it. If Go maybe settles a ball or takes one, you know, takes a, you know, recovery at the top of the box, settles it, and then hits it, fine. But yeah, that, that speaks to the larger problem of the revolution needing to adjust from life without Adam Buxa. And him and Gustavo Bo are not the same lone strikers. They're not even the same striker at all. And the revolution, even when Bo was, was by himself for the six months before uh, Buxa came in, for the pandemic and even the 2020 season when you know books have struggled mightily the pandemic season we never actually figured out what gustavo's best like position was as right. a striker is he this has been striker? a question that, yeah that we've been trying to figure out on the podcast we've been trying to, fi- we've been trying to figure this been. out for for years and we know gustavo is good at soccer the question is where do we use him best in a lone striker system and in a two striker system i don't think he's an out and out winger I think he's best as a second striker. The Revolution aren't using either of those things really right now. So you've got to figure out, again, back to square one, where do we use him as a lone striker that is the most viable for him and then the most viable for the team? Right. And so I think the answer to Tyler's question is that the the goal, I think you and I can agree on it, is that the, the Revs need to aim for having two strikers with Bo. Is that correct? I would think so, yes. I mean, obviously, I think he can work as a lone striker, but if you have him as a lone striker, you need to have legitimate people, you know, backing him up. You need runners in the box. You need Lechet. You need Rivera. You need Renix. Um, you need Barrero. You can't just be, well, it's Bo. And I think Juwan Jones is probably the other attacker I saw in the box like a ton. I'm like, no, that's, you don't you can't have a fullback as your second runner in the box. Yeah. You're attacking midfielders. Your other group of midfielders need to be in the box with him i know that Bo prefers to do things kind of at range i know heel likes to do things at range that's perfectly fine at some point someone's got to be in the box and someone's got to push the back line and the revolution as a team the past couple of weeks have struggled with that and they've made it work um today they didn't get the opportunistic finish it is what it is you get a zero zero draw but overall as to make this unit more effective you're gonna have to answer that question and whether that's getting Bo to adjust or getting Bo to be in just absolutely ripping form or getting a replacement for Buxa to be the target man. And then Bo can kind of sort of be that floating winger attacking mid type, which I think he can, he can do, he can do that role next to heel. He can do that role next to, you know, legit or Barrero. He can do that role. Yep. But he's doing that role primarily as a finisher, not as a facilitator or a box to box person. So, you know, you're going to be losing a lot on the defensive end if you have Bo playing in like the attacking midfield grouping and not as a striker. Um gotta move on from there. Stream overlord o- overlord overload. I don't know what it is. Uh just had a comment uh, the game boring. 
Um, I guess, you know, it had its moments. It had a lot of lulls in it. So uh, I'm not going to argue that. But uh, there were some definitely uh, exciting moments as well. Would have liked to see something in the back of the net, though. Uh, Cody Hall, again, over on Twitter, says, I'll take a point on the road, and it seems like a fair result today. On to the next one. Really not a lot to take from this one. Kind of agree. Uh, there's there's little bits you can nitpick at. Um, you can also look at how uh, where the Revolution's depth currently is, and a lot to take away from uh, Petrovic's performance. And then the fact that there's just a lack of offense, I think, is kind of what we're hammering on a bit right now. Um, but overall, yeah, it's it's not not, not a lot of glaring things standing out uh, after tonight's match. Uh, PUBG Potato on Twitter. I'm happy we left with the draw. I felt Petrovic had a phenomenal game. Many great saves. I was excited to see Tristison start, but he was quiet. And quick side note before I finish uh, uh, PUBG Potato's question. Tristison did play 66 minutes and had 16 touches, so I would definitely classify that as quiet. Uh, PUBG Potato goes yeah. on to say, I was also grateful that Gonzalez stayed on the bench. I'm wondering how many more games he will miss. Also, Barrera was looking great. When he turns on those afterburners, watch out. Lots to unpack uh, on that comment there. Um, but uh, PUBG Potato's touching on on Petrovic, Tristison, uh, the fact that there was no Gonzalez, and uh, uh Dylan Barrero. I mean, all all positives. I think from tonight, including the fact that Gonzalez stayed on the bench. Uh, any anything in response to that, Jake? Yeah. I mean, oh God, Tristan only had sixteen touches. God, that's brutal. Um, yeah. 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 There's. I mean, the the first half was a little bit more disjointed. Well, uh, and well, was it though? They were Remember, both I disjointed think... in their own special way. Yeah. This this both this halves. is. I disagree. I forget who said the, the game was boring. I don't think the game was boring. The game was wide open. The game was fun. It was not good. The game was not good. I don't think it was boring. Um, yeah, that's a fair assessment, I'd say. But yeah, that's I, you know, yeah. I mean, again, I don't think I don't think that's Tristan's best spot. You want Tristan to be more in a box to box kind of sort of thing. And the way that Vancouver plays, he's going to get bypassed a lot uh, sometimes anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe Tristan. I mentioned that you know that you want kind of Captoon being that guy to drop back so that you know he can stay farther up the field. Let Tristan do that too. Why not? Um, he's perfectly capable on the ball. We know that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't. I don't think it's Tristan's best spot. I want to put that all on him. But I mean, at some point, like yes, you know, Bruce needs to realize, you know, sixty-six minutes probably should do it a little sooner. Um, that Tristan's not involved in the game. It might not be Tristan's fault. Let's change it up. And right. he did. And I think adding on to that too is the fact that uh, there is no runner by De La Garza is the the fullback behind Tristan yeah. who's not necessarily advancing it up the up the pitch as that's true, yeah as quickly as of, by normally would. And you also kind of sort of know that that flank combination is going to be what it is. It's not going to do a whole lot, and you're okay with that. Yep. If your it was, left it was flank is going on to be the flank yeah, today. that's what. It, but you don't mind, like I said, like that's sort of like the balance. If you know that flank is going to be kind of meh, um, that's fine. That that still doesn't mean you can't go away from that flank. You still need to get the ball to Tristan. You still need to get the ball to De La Garza. Um, even if those guys are in more of a support or outright just defensive role in, in De La Garza's case, you still can't ignore them when the ball is going forward. You still have to use them. And for Tristan to just not get involved, then Tristan should really be one of those guys making those runs into the box and causing problems. And I think he, I saw him do that at least once. I think he had a, a flashing header that was mostly well defended um, in the first half. Like, so like mm-hmm. you could see like, okay, he was trying, but at the same time, 
you know, the Rebs were are just not a team that just throws people into the box. And I think that's by design. And I think that design is bad and that needs to get adjusted. <laughs> I'll make sure to send a note to Bruce Arena in the morning. Uh, Mocha over on Twitter. Actually, real quick, I wanted to mention uh, PUBG Potato mentioned Barrero. I don't not I can't remember if anyone else mentioned Barrero, so I'm going to say it right now. I thought he had a fantastic game. Um, PUBG Potato talked about the afterburners, and my goodness, when he actually mm-hmm. turned it on, out of yep. nowhere, it, he just to see a jumped lot. out 10 yards ahead of him. Yeah, that was amazing. we need to see a lot more of that, because that if he's here to basically be Tejan Buchanan, he needs to be there to take a, take people on, and we saw him do that occasionally. We need to see that a lot more, because that opened up a lot of problems for Vancouver. You could tell that they, they did not enjoy that uh, when he was making those runs, um, but also, you know, to Barrero's I don't know, not so much lack of credit, but Barrero also had a handful of chances that where he either dribbled out of bounds, never made the cross, or the cross was just horrifically bad. So obviously, as Barrero gets more comfortable and gets more used to the team, I'd expect that aggression to not only improve in mm-hmm. quantity, but also improve in quality. I will add, so according to FootMob, uh, Don Barrero's stats, uh, he was 15 of 21 passing. Uh, he did create a chance, his dribbling, he was a zero for four on successful dribbles, which yeah, is a bit shocking, right. yeah. Um, no, but it is right. about right. He had 38 touches, and this is all in 82 minutes. Um, dispossessed kind of, one time, really not yeah. terrible, but uh, didn't win any duels really. He won one out of six ground duels, mm. no aerial duels. I, I guess he's not really an aerial threat, but no, and um, really that's not that's not what the revolution style is going to be anyway. They're they're going to kind of sort of press people they're not going to sort of dispossess people they're just going to force you to make bad passes and then go and then they should go the other way with it but a lot of times they just don't exactly so i i mean he he is kind of as advertised so far he's got that that tejan buchanan swagger to him but he's definitely rough around the edges um a raw talent and i think it's just really exciting and i can't wait to see this kid develop along with georgiou petrovich mm-hmm. so uh mocha over on twitter wants to know honestly the only thing josie does is try and draw pens Need to bring in a box-to-box player to sit next to Polster, although I thought T-Mac looked pretty decent tonight. We need another Barrero-type player on the other side and a target man up top. So do you agree with those two uh, additions is what we're, what the Rebs are really looking for, another box-to-box midfielder and a target man? Um, I think if you're going to improve the team, yes, those are the two. You know, you have options, you know, where you can, you know, I love Tommy Mac. I do. I want Tommy Mac more coming off the bench and making spot starts yep, uh, than I'm playing that. 75 or 80 minutes a game. But that's, that's not what we want Tommy Mac doing. Um, yes, I think I think a legitimately great partner next to Polster would be amazing if that means that at some point you probably don't have a Cap 2 more Tristison going forward after next season. That kind of is what it is. Um, uh, one thought on Josie's penalty. I didn't think that was a penalty. I'm very sorry. That was incidental contact. I had no problem with that as a no call. Um, I think the, the defender for Vancouver, uh, Brown, was it. Uh, he's looking at the ball and just gets run over. He just, Josie reacts and is looking for the ball. And just, it just, it's not a penalty. I thought it was fine. Um, the two yellow cards that were issued in this game, I, eh, I could have done without either of them. Um, mm-hmm. the one where I think Captoon got dumped after his shot, he was already off balance. Um, I have no problem with that being a foul. I don't think that's a card that that looked worse because Captoon whiffed the shot so badly. And McNamara and 
Cavalier, I think, just got tangled up in the attacking third. I think if you call that foul, it has to be a yellow card for tactical reasons, but also at the same time, it's like it's two guys who just sort of turned around and ran into each other. So at the same time, it's like, eh. Um, but yeah, I just, I, you know, Josie, everyone keeps saying Josie's not full fitness. I don't want to just bag on Josie. He is who he is right now. And yep. I think he has a role to play on this team and we're waiting to see how effective he can be at that role. Um, he was okay today. I don't think he was great. I think when you have a nil nil game like this and you bring him in, you want him to be making a legitimate impact on the right. game. And I don't think, I don't think he did that today. I, I, and I just, that's, that's my point as well. I think Josie Altador is the player that was brought in to make an impact in games like these. He's brought in to essentially be a replacement for Adam Buxa because he's got that very similar style of play. But I mean, Josie Altador is on the pitch for 28 minutes. Do you want to take a guess at how many touches he had? Um, I'll give you a hint. It's less than four and more than two. Um, that's that's not great. So he didn't have a shot. I know he didn't have a shot. So that means, yeah, you can't have you can't have a target striker with three touches. No, and, and so it, it doesn't work. I think it, it, it. I'm really trying to 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 reel myself back here because I've been kind of going hard into the Josie stuff, and a lot of it has just been for the bands and stuff like that. I I think there's really something that could be there with Josie Altador. Yeah, it's not there right now, and I no. just kind of wish Bruce Arena would maybe try something else instead of forcing the Josie thing right now. Let if Josie's not match fit or not 100% fit, then let him get fit. Let him do what he needs to do. Put, bring in some Justin, of the guys. Start yeah, Damian Justin, Rivera, like you said. Justin Rennick Justin has been... Justin would have been, if you're actually... Now, again, this is a different style. If Gustavo Bo, and you guys are... And you're not playing with like a back-to-goal kind of sort of thing. Again, I think the Revs being on the road, trying to be a little bit slower, trying to be a little bit more conservative. I get it. But again, this is not where I think you want the Revs to be overall, I think you honestly want the Revs to be an aggressive, attack-minded team. So putting on someone like Josie in a 0-0 game to be proactive is fine if yeah. you're getting him the ball and you're combining with him. If you're not, put Renix out there. Let him try and run in behind someone. Bo wasn't really trying that. That's not really what maybe we want Bo doing either. Put Bo out on the wing. Let him be the second guy coming into the box or the third guy coming into the box, which is what he wants to do. And let yep. Renix just run at people and cause some problems. Open up space for Carlos. Open up some space for Barrero um, so that they don't have to do it on their own. Um, right. That's the imbalance that I'm, I'm talking about, where you just you don't have, as a team, the Revs are not creating space. They're not making the right types of runs. And there's just that lack of cohesion. But at the same time, the passing and some of the possession is so good that, yeah, you take a little half step, you open up a crossing lane, and then Barrero's on the doorstep waiting to cross the ball into a box where there's only one person in. So, yeah, I mean, it's, again, the game is frustrating. I don't think the Revs played badly, but, again, there is, there's still that adjustment period of what the Revs are doing without Buxa, without Matt Polster. I, don't, I can't We even need to yeah. say this as much as we have. Uh, Matt Polster not being here is a, is a big deal because it changes the way the revolution bring the ball up the field that's a fundamental thing of how they play the game um yep. that's missing so there's there's a lot of things that the revs are having to adjust a little bit here on the fly on top of the other things they're trying to change fundamentally with the personnel that they are bringing in um so i don't want to put again it's not all on josie but yes you'd expect josie who's been in the league for a long time to know how to play striker 
and get involved in a game. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about the attack right now, which is perfect timing because uh, Steve McRogan over on Twitter says, when will Altidore get more comfortable with the system and when will the team adapt to give him service that he can use regularly? And that's exactly kind of what we're talking about. It's it, yeah. it, it's a little bit frustrating, too, when you look at the the way that the, the, the team's kind of built because it's supposed to be like an explosive attack of some sort, right? You know, you have Carlos Hill, you have Dylan Barrero, um, Emma Boateng coming off the bench. That's, those are kind of explosive, like all of a sudden in transition, game-changing type players. And then you have two of the most immobile forwards in all of MLS. I'm sure there's you know uh, worse examples, you know, uh, Higuain or whatever. But uh, Gustavo Bo is not beating any any defender for the most part one-on-one. No. And Josie Altidore is still walking back and forth from center center circle to to the top of the box. So I don't understand how you're going to play an explosive or quick or any sort of like creative uh, 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 football at all when you when you have that as your as your uh, strike partners. It's, yeah. It doesn't doesn't and, add up to yeah. me. And I think Bo doesn't get enough credit for some of the stuff he does off the ball. Uh you know, when he wants to, you know, make those runs into the box. I mean, he's very good at it, but also I think he knows he doesn't want to be the only one running into the box. So that's why he sits back because everyone else is sitting back. So mm-hmm. yeah, there, that needs to be everyone get on the same page. I don't, again, I don't know if it's entirely a Josie problem, but Josie should know how to get himself involved in a game. He's, he he's been playing soccer long enough. He's been in MLS. At very high enough. Like these, yes. Like these, this is not something where, you know, if this is a fitness problem, Josie shouldn't be on the field. If this is a how long does it take Josie to like really click? I we probably should already be at that point. He's been yes. in training, he's been getting minutes. We should probably already be there with Josie. The fact that we're not is a little concerning. Yep. But again, so, you know, you're you're a striker. All you gotta do is put a shot on target and you've changed the game if it goes in. So exactly. Well, and so Josie did mention, I think it was to Sam Minton uh of the Bun Musket. That was last week in the locker room, I believe it was, where uh, Josie said that the the style of play in New England is very different from what he's used to in Toronto, where yeah. Toronto was much more rigid, uh, uh, had a, a more form factor type attack and a, a more organized attack, I guess, where the Reds are a bit more random. And I think you can see that when you look at it. Every game, it's a different type of oh, yeah. attack. But at the same time, Josie Altidore, with the pedigree that he has and yeah. the quality of You're... player that you expect him to be, that should not be a problem to him. He should be able to adapt. He should be able to go in. He should be able to define the style of play as your uh, as your main target striker. So yeah, and that that I think speaks more to whatever his problems were with Toronto before he left and before Bob yep. Bradley took over there. That's the listen. Toronto was not a, a great team last year. Um, that's not entirely Josie's fault. I think yes. that's another team that should have been playing a much more proactive style and they wanted to play a possession style the revs i don't think play a possession style they just sometimes i think they just slow it down too much they do and that's not a problem particularly i don't have a problem if josie's in the game you're trying to slow the game down that's perfect again Mm -hmm. going back to that's kind of what we wanted omar gonzalez to be when omar gonzalez coming off the bench and being a closer maybe you go five at the back um you know you use his experience you use his deterrent so that people aren't putting in 80 crosses into your box and you've got you know, Turner, Kessler, and Farrell there against, you know, five people, you know, trying to defend, you know, 6,000 aerial crosses into the box at the end of the game. 
So yeah, there's, there's, again, there's, there's a balance that Josie needs to find um, as far as making the style work for him, but by default, he should be able to find the game and, and yes. he has not done that. And I think that's what it is, is by default, he should be able to find it. Like you said. Um, and I will also say to Josie's credit, uh, I don't know if it's to his credit, but maybe in his defense, uh, the revs still haven't figured out exactly what they're doing. There's still a yes. lot of changes that are going to be coming. So it's it's going to be hard for a new player to come in and acclimate to a system mm -hmm. that is not defined or it has a lot of yeah. moving pieces, or a lot of injuries going on, new players coming in, other players going out, transfers, this and that, and the other thing. Uh, so I get it. There's a lot of stuff going on. So I'm not like totally saying this Josie signing is a complete failure yet. I still don't know exactly what the, the, the financial allocation is what, between... Uh, uh, between Toronto and and New England, but uh, money side aside of it, because we don't know what that is, so let's not speculate on it. I, I can't say that this is like a failed signing at this point in the season. No, no, I would no. like to give it a, a few more months at least and see exactly what Bruce has up his sleeve. No, I think I think whatever the contract situation is, hopefully maybe we learn more about that because I don't think Josie can I'd be a love DP to. next year anyway. And I think he's only a DP. I assume he might be on Toronto's books, but I, I don't know how that works, nor quite frankly, do I care because, you know, the rules are made up and the points don't matter. Yes. But yeah, you know, you're right. Josie as a value signing. And, and this is honestly where the revolution, I think at the time struggled is those guys on those 500 to $600,000 contracts, your Tristis and your captains. These are the guys that you want that are going to be, borderline starters to if not outright starters to you know they're going to play several thousand minutes for you a year and you need them to be good and you need them to have an impact when they're on the field and you need them to effectively outwork a guy like Tommy McNamara and I mean this is a credit to Tommy McNamara when I say this um when you still have guys like Tommy McNamara, Dax McCarty, you know, Kyle Beckerman for years did this you have those types of you know journeyman MLS types MLS lifer types that are still in the league getting minutes playing well and you have a guy who comes in international pedigree and you can't win that job I can't help you and the revolution that's when I said the revolution of you know those types of signings revolution always struggled with revolution weren't always proactive at, at getting those types of players it's not the players are bad it's just that a guy like Tommy McNamara is just as good and in this league with the salary cap and everything else, you can't have your value options like that fail you that badly. And not uh, that Tristan is a bust, not that Captoon is a bust. Omar is a bust, but like, <laughs> like that's, you can't have like those guys, you can't have dead weight on your salary cap because right. it just, it, it hampers you so much more than anywhere else in the league. You can't just stash a bad contract in your reserves and just be done with it. Like, no, you're going to have to rely on this person. You only have a 20 man senior roster and 30 guys under contract total. Um, so yeah, so that, yeah, Josie is going to have to play. We know Josie's going to have to play, but what we want is when Josie comes off the bench, he can't have a game like this. He just can't not. It, it, I don't want to put this all on Josie because the Reds were a mess the final 30 minutes. But part of that is you, you pulled one holding midfielder, Bruce, you didn't put another one on. I don't know if Bo was a striker or a winger at the end. It seemed a little disorganized. It played very disorganized. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this team without Polster can afford to do that um, at all. 
And it's particularly when you don't have your starting center back pairing, uh, you can't afford to do that. So, like I said, today is what it is what it is. Um, but yeah, no, like overall, some of like, you know, the, the subs that, that are making and the adjustments that are making, they can't fail this badly. I agree. And uh, real quick, because uh, we just had a question come in, a last minute question from Trigger Dorati. Um, kind of fits into what we're talking about right now. Traeger says, keep up the good work, y'all. Uh, Petrovic, man of the match, which we all agree, fantastic game from him. Um, he says, we have no no threat in the box. Resni to buy out Josie at the end of the season without question. So Traeger is going straight to Resni to buy out Josie. I think Traeger's done with the Josie experiment. Um, I, I know I've, I've just said that I'm giving him a couple of months or a few months at least before I can really have a, a, a more of an answer. I want to see more of what the Revs yeah. game plan is and how Josie might possibly fit into that before I can really think. Uh, but what what are your thoughts real quick? Um, as far as buying out Josie, you think that's something that the Revs should consider at this point? I, I think we I, without knowing the financials with Toronto, like if if Toronto's paying the bulk of his contract like this year or next or however it works, I have no problem keeping Josie because the value is fine. Um, you know, Josie right now is your best target striker on this field. Honestly, he's probably your only target. The closest thing you have to target striker is Josie Outstore. Is yep. that a problem? Yes. Um, is that yeah. something the Rebs might have to address either this transfer window or the next? Yes. Do I have a problem with Josie being the third striker on this team? No. Right yep. now he's kind of the right now he's the second striker on this team. Do I hate that? No. Um, but I I do hate that his performance today with three touches. I I thought he was okay. I thought he made some good runs. Obviously, you've got to get him the ball. Um, but obviously, he you know you also need to for him to work the ball off to help other people, and that's something he needs to figure out a lot quicker than he has. Yes, but no, I, I don't think, I don't think Josie being I don't think Josie being on the roster is a problem. It's there's a you know cost-effective analysis to Josie being on the roster. His benefits are right now Toronto's paying the majority of his contract, and he's a domestic U.S. player. Yes. Uh, when we when Toronto stops paying the majority of his contract and he's making anywhere above TAM level money, yeah, it might cease to be a good deal from a value standpoint. And yes, Traeger would be correct. All right, moving on. TSP11 over on Discord. Of course, you can always leave questions over on Discord as well. Uh, and we're talking in the attack still. Wants to know, is Renix just done? What in-game circumstances is Bruce waiting for to use him? And, you know, I, I'm looking at this question thinking, I don't know what circumstance he's looking at because I was really hoping that we would see uh, Justin Renix out there tonight. And from the minutes that Justin has had so far this season, I thought he has shown a lot of improvements uh, personally. And we've been pretty high on him on the podcast so far this year. Uh, obviously, he hasn't, like, gone otherworldly or really... Uh, mm-hmm. impressed to no end but he also hasn't shown a lot of flaws that um that we've seen from him in the past he's he's shown a really high work rate he's really been been getting himself involved so i'm really surprised that we haven't seen more of him lately um is he done maybe but uh i'd say he probably wouldn't have been in in the 18 or 21 or whatever it is that they roll out with now he wouldn't have been on, on the game day roster i think if he was fully done so maybe there's some other plan for him uh but it's, it, it's peculiar that he's not getting any more minutes. Um, do you have any thoughts, Jake? I, th- to me, this, this, if you, if you weren't going to use him today, as far as the question of when do you use him today was the answer. Yes. Today 100%. was the answer because you wanted, you wanted another person with Bo up top 
making runs at the back line. And you, I, I honestly think the Revs should have gone. You want to go two, you want to go two strikers up front? Fine, go two strikers up front. Go to the pivot to the diamond for the final twenty minutes. I don't care if Vancouver wants to go up and down the flanks. Maybe give a little help to De La Garza so he doesn't have to like you know sprint ninety yards every five seconds. But this was the situation I think to use Renickson over Josie. You're not playing a game where you're going direct over the top. Um, you're playing a much more possession based game. Let you have two guys push the Vancouver back line, let them screw up. Yep. Let, uh, let them screw up. Let, let chaos happen. And and again, the Revs just did not get enough things in and around the final third to do that. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, moving on. Cause we still got, I think like, like eight questions left and we have like not much time left to, to squeeze them in. So we're going to try to That's run okay. through them. David Sibillin wants to know uh, over on Twitter, the Revs have recovered enough points from the early season losses to be content with one point away and three points at home. Thoughts? I think that's the dream all along. Even if you've lost a lot of points at the beginning of the season, yeah. you can just get one away, three at home. You should be happy. Yeah, I mean, again, like, you know, we can be disappointed that games we talked about earlier. You shouldn't have lost to Columbus at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have liked to have beaten Philadelphia instead of that being a draw, but Philadelphia is very, very good. You're never unhappy with a point on the road. Could you have stolen this game? Yes. Are you unhappy that you didn't know? Because Vancouver was just as good as you today. This is not a you outplayed anyone like you did against Philadelphia and got a draw. This was an even game. It deserved to be a draw. It finished 0-0. Take the point go home. Absolutely. Um, Teal Forever over on Twitter again. Refs have struggled for the last decade against teams that pack it in on defense. What can they do with their current lineup to open this game up? Uh, against teams that play like that. Also, quick moment to appreciate John Bell stepping up. And John Bell, I think, was huge tonight. Um, but as far as uh, teams that pack it in on D, I mean, the Revs have had trouble against teams that park the bus. Uh, uh, Nashville being the most recent one that I'm thinking of, that the Revs mm-hmm. have, you know, really had a lot Philly, of trouble. Philly does Philly does that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, not I don't, to the extent, well, I guess, as Nashville, but yes, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I would argue, I don't, the, Vancouver doesn't pack it in so much as. They get the back way, quick. They get back quick. Yeah, just the way that they have their setup where it's kind of sort of, I can't really tell if it's five at the back or they've got two wing backs. They've got seven guys defending and then they got four guys who are attacking. Those seven guys know what they're doing and they're very, very organized. So when the game is wide open like it is today, it's very, it's more on the revs to just take the initiative and go and yep. just sort of try to play with Vancouver. And they chose kind of not to, they chose to be more possession based, which again is fine. It didn't not work. They just didn't score. Um, there's a give and take with playing a team like Vancouver, as opposed to a team like Nashville that like objectively sometimes just does not attack. Um, Vancouver doesn't do that. Vancouver is very direct on the counterattack. They get forward real quick. But they're also, they leap a lot of the guys back. So when the ball gets lost, hey, look, it's three on seven the other way. Have fun, New England. And the Reds had a lot of those, those issues today. And, and it's a numbers game, and tactically. Uh, that's why the goal, expected goal numbers were in were even. It's why the final score line was nil-nil, aside from, you know, Petrovic being awesome. Yes. But, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, I object to saying that Vancouver packed it in because I, I don't think that's that's the way the game played out. Um, but yes, the Revs do struggle against a very organized uh, team, and I would I would argue Vancouver is a very organized team. And yes, New England has struggled to break down those teams from possession. They also sometimes rely on set pieces and broken plays and things like that. 
and it'd be nice to just have Carlos Gill, you know, just play someone in behind if someone of the other three people around him ever makes a run into the box, which might happen sometime before I turn 35 in September. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, you mentioned that the uh, 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 a result of, of uh, Vancouver packing it in was that the Revs were not able to get a goal. I will quickly mention that this is only the second time all season that the Revs uh, did not get uh, anything on the score sheet. First time oh, was yeah. April 2nd uh, at home versus the Red Bulls. That was uh, a disastrous game. Um, that was the Polster own goal in the 90th minute. Oh, Which, uh, yes, that was the yes. other, yes, that's the other game I remember where we, I hate to say we dropped points in that game, but like you did, you dropped a point. It's not so much you gave, it's not so much you gave New York three, it's that you lost one. It it, it was a rough, uh, that was a rough, yeah, it was rough just, that was a rough, that was a rough. And, and then you, there you, was the, um, the Open Cup match where uh, Revs lost one nil, but that doesn't count in the season, so um yeah second time all season to not to not score a goal which is a good thing for the offense but yes um, it shows you know that's that's what works against mm-hmm. stopping uh stopping an attack like the revs uh fifth place in yeah. mls for scoring goals nothing tonight so mm-hmm. uh it, it, yeah packing it in it's working um uh, moving on yeah sam minton uh, i don't know if you know this person um but nah i don't uh, know must be a yeah. hack writer somewhere <laughs> so let's know. Well, it's a pretty good question, actually. Where does John Bell uh, land on the center back depth chart, and how do you think he performed? So going into the John Bell uh, love from uh, before, I thought John Bell was fantastic, and there was a lot of uh, talk on this tweet as well, a lot of replies to it. And I think everyone, for the most part, has the same idea that he's third. He's right behind Kessler right now, yeah. uh, above Omar. I'm in that boat, and it sounds like you're in that boat as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the once it became abundantly clear to everyone, now we've learned this kind of in March, I think Bruce figured it out in May or even last couple weeks. Um, Omar Gonzalez is not the third best center back on this team. He might not be the fourth best center back on this team. I'm Jury's still out on Ben Ravino if he's going to make that full jump up into the first team level. I'm perfectly fine with him getting a lot of minutes with Rep Sue still. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, John Bell's third. It, it's just it's there's not really anything to debate um we saw him cut out a couple of very good counterattacks today i think he's improved a lot um on the ball um he looks healthy uh he looks like he's back in the swing of things much like he was um you know a couple of years ago when it, it looked like he might have almost have stolen kessler's starting job there for a little bit um but yeah i, I don't think there's any I don't think, I, I don't think there's any question anymore who's who's number three i think the question now is how far back omar has fallen and if omar will get any additional minutes on this team or if omar is effectively just at this point a well-played player coach yep i and i think that might be a an okay role for him as well um perfectly, I'm, I'm yeah. perfectly okay with that and this goes back to uh pub g potatoes question earlier too wondering how many more games uh, omar gets and i mean i'm sure he'll get some more minutes but i don't think yes. it's going to be anything significant no. um Mike Kennedy over on Twitter says, did Bruce keep Bo on too long tonight? And also he wants to know, are you officially a pro Petrovich podcast after tonight? Uh, I cannot speak to that officially. We have to have our <laughs> voting at our annual meeting. Um, but it's, it's, it's we need, definitely. We need, we need longer way. than a week to mourn the final stop of the Turner train. Come on, Mike. Exactly. The yeah. Um, of the Turner train. So, but uh, did Bo, was he on too long? Uh, Bo finished the game on the field, correct? He played all 90. I thought he came off in the 80-something. 
eighties. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think yeah, Bo's you went ninety. Yep. You did went. I don't know. I, I. I think. I think Gustavo Bo, unless you are winning, or unless he has said, "Hey, I've got you know, a, a, something's a little tight." No, he plays. He plays ninety minutes. Now, obviously, he runs himself to death. Um, yes, does, pull him yeah. and put on Renick or something like that. But like, I mean, yes, he's if he's absolutely sucking wind. Yes, for love of God, pull him. Uh, no, he's gonna. Be, he should be playing ninety more often than not. Um, would I like to, you know, if you're winning, obviously he's one of the guys you're going to sub out so you can add more of a two-way player um, into that role or have Josie be more of the hold-up guy to slow the game down. Um, but no, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he, I don't, I don't think Bo should have even contemplated coming off the way that game was, was playing out. That was there for him or heel to hit some kind of a magic winner as we've seen them do. And no, it was, it was there. That, it was there. It was absolutely there. That was game, there. The, the fact that nobody scored a goal in that game is a credit to Georgie Petrovic, who was very good, and a discredit Nothing to Cody every... Cropper. Sorry. Listen, Cody Cropper made one very, very good save on, on Barrero at the near post. I think he should have smothered it and went out for a corner. That's neither here nor there. That was a very good save. Um, yeah. It is a discredit to everyone on the field who attempted a shot today because most of the shots were terrible. That includes uh, 32 shots. 32 shots and eight of them combined were on target. Vancouver had six of those eight. Um, and Vancouver shooting was honestly not significantly much better than New England's. Uh, yes, obviously Petrovic made more saves because more things were on target. Honestly, only two or three of those, I think, were like legitimately like, oh, okay, Petrovic made a good save. Um, three of them are kind of sort of the normal, like catch, like whatever it is, come off the line stuff. But yeah, no, this I think this is more of a, of a the 0 0 score line, I think, is just as much of a credit to Petrovic as it is to everyone on the field could not shoot very well today. Moving on. We got rally rally revs fan uh, wants to know who's the answer at CDM with pollster. We know that T Mac offers. Uh, what was, oh, I can't read. Sorry. We know what T Mac offers cap look like himself again. And Maciel doesn't play. Um, can legit be the answer there. So I, I, I don't think I, I want, I don't think I want, let jet there unless it's a very specific or weird situation where maybe you're trying to attack a lot more and maybe yep. then it's more of like a it, you might have a diamond or a 4141 thing going on um there was a few weeks ago i don't remember which match it was off the top of my head and it might have been um the match that poster got injured it might have mm -hmm. been the last match that we actually saw legit in um mm -hmm. And legit actually dropped to more of a defensive midfield role. And I was thinking, aside from the first couple of weeks of the season, that's the best that he's looked the entire year uh, for yeah. the revolution. He was way more involved, way more active. Mm -hmm. uh, but he was asked to play more defensive piece when the Revs were trailing. Um, and I thought it was really intriguing. But I also mentioned I don't want him playing in that position because that's not why yes. he's here. I think the only time you would see legit in that role is exactly where he said when the revs are trailing you move him back there to get just as good of a guy on the ball next to polster but he's still an attack-minded player and you're really playing you're really playing a 4-1-4-1 at that point because you've got or what yeah. the u.s plays a 4-3-3 where heel and legit are more box-to-box -box eights um than they are like tens or whatever it is you want to call them or attacking eights, whatever, whatever word you want to use or football manager lingo. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I wouldn't want let there that much. I'm surprised we didn't see Massiel 
at all. I thought that would have been fun to throw him in with a game going back and forth and just letting him just fresh legs go up and down the field with, with uh, Vancouver there late. Um, I think Massiel can do a job. I think that job is more of the, of the Scotty Caldwell type role. Um, You know, he comes in, he recycles the ball, he moves the ball. He does very well. He gets himself in the good positions. He supports everyone. Um, That type of role next to Polster can be very, very good. Um, I think Captoon right now is likely the guy going forward. And I'm okay with that because when Captoon, like he did a little bit today, when you ask Captoon to be the guy in the holding midfield spot, he seems like he can do it. Doesn't mind yes. being on the ball. He moves the ball very well. I wish he was more assertive like this more often instead of just letting everyone else around him just kind of sort of do their thing. Like, no, get on the ball, do something good with it. Um, He's been yeah, very Cap- passive. Yeah. He has been very passive. And I think he might be being asked to be passive. I think they're asking, hey, Polster's there. Support Polster. Polster gets himself into trouble. Help Polster. Heel gets himself into trouble. Help Heel. That part I get. But when, you know, absence of those guys, when you're asked to do more, he's shown that he can do it. So let him do more all the time. I mean, we know we can do it. He's from La Masia, right? I, I, one would think. <laughs> um, Porter over on Twitter, leaning right into this, so says, uh, uh, what's a good midfield pairing for the next match with Tommy Max suspended? Does the oh, center mid oh. position seem like the best place for a designated player? So it's kind of two questions in one. Two questions in one. Well, I think we've talked that, yes, another 8-6 type next to Polster. If you're going to go DP and it's not striker, I would go there. Yep. I think they're going to go DP striker. So that's more. Do you get another Tam person for that role? Fine. Um, I think if Captoon is 100%, you go with Captoon. And Captoon plays more your six. Um, so if you have no Polster and no Tommy Mack, who's pairing with Captoon? And, and ass- go, assuming no Legit, I don't know what's up with him. Assuming no, I would go with. I would go with Massiel. I would yeah. honestly go with Massiel, and I'd have Massiel play kind of sort of the Scotty Caldwell role, stay at home, support everyone, let Captoon kind of sort of be that eight polstery kind of role. Obviously, we know Carlos Hill is the number 10. Um, mm-hmm. I think really, I think next week, if you don't have Letjet, I want to see Damien Rivera or um, Damien Rivera at that attacking midfield part. I don't want to call it wing. I don't think it's a winger role. It's not a true out-and-out winger role. It's something else. Or, or I want Justin Rennix as the lone striker and Bo and Barrero on the flanks with heel. That's that to be the lineup that I would go with. Um, but obviously, whoever's on, who's ever on the side, if Barrero is, if De La Garza plays again, Barrero has to play on the right because you want Barrero to at least track back and help De La Garza. And I don't think you're going to get that with Bo as a flanker. I have no problem leaving Jones on an island because he's Dewan Jones. He's amazing. Um, he do but you are going to want to help De La Garza if he's playing right back again. And he's been very good, but I still want some help with him, particularly someone who is fast. That's fair. I, I think that's, I mean, the only real options I think are going to be uh, 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 Captoom and Maciel. Um, you know, he kind of. Yeah, could the only other person could you drop Tristis in there and could he do that job? Uh, yes, I think he could. Um, is that where you want him? Honestly, no. I don't. I know. think I think Tristison's best role was that shuttling center midfield role, and he was really really good there for a couple weeks. He dismantled a bad Miami team last year, and then he just he went back to being like a bit like part time player. And I just, I don't. I know he's good. That's the problem. Just we're not mm-hmm. using him right. Exactly. 
Oh, Jake, we've almost made it. We have one question left. Okay. It's coming from RevsFan94 on Twitter. Uh-huh. Wants to know how many off-season signings have actually worked. So I assume we're talking this off past off-season. Okay. So we're talking Josie. We're talking Omar. We're talking Sebastian Legette. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that it for the actual off-season signings? If we're talking, yeah, I mean, I would, I would still count. I mean, when we say off-season, off-season is such a loaded term. Yeah. Because especially in in this sport, yeah. Be, yeah, especially in this sport. I mean, if we're arguing, the only signing that has been an abject failure has been Omar. Um, yes. I think Lechet is good. I think Barrero is good. I think Petrovic is great. Um, if you want to say that Josie has been bad and then therefore is a failure, fine. Hasn't um, worked, I would say. So ha- Josie hasn't worked. I don't see, and jo- Josie is who he is. It's, we need right. to find we need to find the role for him. But if he's also given that role and he sucks at it, that's a, that's a Josie problem. Right. Um, would you? So I think the real question here is Sebastian Legette. Do you think Sebastian Legette signings to date has worked? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Now the, the downside is that people say like, well, he's missed some time, and the Rebs have still won. Like, well, yes, but honestly, when the Rebs were awful in the beginning of the year, Legette was arguably the second best player in the field for us. That wasn't a DP. Um, you know, with, you know, it was Carlos Hill and it was legit making runs into the box. What this team desperately, desperately needs, and Seth, I'm sure, has clipped a handful of these, is these runs where Letjet darts towards a post. People look at Letjet and then look back and go, oh, crap, Carlos is shooting. Oh, crap, Bo just got the ball and we're not on him. We need more of that in the box. Barrero is going to help with that problem. That's why they went and got Barrero. I think they specifically got Barrero to pair with Letjet to have two of those guys going into the box with a striker, whether that was Buxa, whether that was Bo. Heck, it could be Renix or Josie at this point. But if you're going to play with one striker, as the Rebs, I think, are going to um, for most of the remainder of the year, both of those guys on the field combining with, you know, Carlos Hill pulling the strings, those are three guys making runs in the box. And then you've got someone like Polster or Jones or by crashing the top of the box and getting those shots off the system. The Rebs have on paper can work as soon as we get everyone healthy. And as soon as we can maybe just get a little bit of luck because we've had some luck this year, but not like the luck we had last year or the, or the opportunistic finishing that we had last year where we turned draws into wins. Okay. Well, I think that's it. We've made it through. Um, Jake, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, anything that that we haven't touched on? No, I I think this was oddly a good game to sort of like encompass like the Rev season as a whole because it both I think identifies the problems they still have, and yes. yet at the same time the moves they have made to address those problems. Um, we we can see in bits how I think the Rebs want to play when they've got their first choice team on the field. And they haven't had that yet. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I think Polster might be the second most important person on the field behind heel. Obviously, mm-hmm. Boops is not being here, notwithstanding. Um, I think, you know, obviously, I, I would argue, you know, yet yet could be like third or fourth on that list of most important people you want on this field. Um, but I would also be up there as well. Um you know, and those those are those are very important pieces to be missing. Um, effectively, three, four starters, arguably, if you want to count uh, Buxa. You know, there are not a lot of teams in MLS who can go on the road to Vancouver on a Sunday night and get a nil-nil draw. I'm sorry, there's just not. 
that's a very good Vancouver team, a very unique style they play compared to the rest of the league, in my opinion. Uh, and the Revs did pretty well tonight. Um, honest, honestly, they did. Uh, was a little frantic? Yes. Was a little hectic? Yes. Could they have easily lost this game? Sure, they could have easily have won it, too. So, you know, I think the point is fine. I think the overall, you know, arcing theme for the Revs are they are close. They need to get healthy again. Um, they They are not going to retain or return. I don't think to the shield form they had last year. That was an impossible level <laughs> of a lot of things going on, but I think they can, they can certainly return to a form. that was pretty darn close to that. And I think if we can get a competitive revolution team, I think we'll all be very happy. You know, uh, something look looking at some sort of MLS cup playoffs run. Uh, it just, I think that's all we can really hope yeah. for, you know? I, I think that that is, honestly, that's that's the goal. I mean, it's always kind of sort of the goal, but like, you know, you got the yep. shield. You're never going to, you know, that's a one of that particular shield year to get your first trophy like that is amazing. Obviously, with the, with the people you had going out this year, you were never going to return to that level of form. But yep. can you target a return to that level of form next year by doing a lot of good in the second half of this season and in the summer, yes, you can. And I think that when we talked earlier about you know the Revs being you know proactive and, and signing like for like players, yeah, you need to do more of that. You always need to be looking to improve the team. If that means that you know maybe you know Tristison isn't here next year because you have someone who fits the formation better or someone who happens to be younger, if you go the U twenty two initiative route. Um, yeah, you know, the, the, the revolution are, are, are on the right path. They haven't gotten the results to match the good that that path is doing. They still need to get healthy. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's, there's a lot of positives to come from this game that are, you know, there are still issues beyond having a horrific night shooting. We know that, but at the same time, um, I don't think there's anything overly like arcing wrong with the performance tonight. Um, it worked. The system, you know, for the most part, it worked. You're throwing together a bit of a patchwork lineup that's still improving from the disaster that was, you know, March. And I, yes. I think I think the Revs are going to be fine. I think the goal is you want to get at least above, where are we now, sixth? Uh, yes, last I saw. You're six. in sixth. You're, th you're two points behind the Red Bulls for fourth. Mm -hmm. That's it. You're yeah. two points behind the Red Bulls. for. I mean, honestly, you're, you're right there. Are you catching Philly or... New York City this year? No, I don't think so. I think they're I think they're the class of the East, and they, they will eventually run away with it. Philadelphia just needs to win more games at home, though. Um, four zero and five for Philadelphia. I just noticed that's a little odd. But yeah, I, I think you know. Can you can you get to third or fourth? You know, can you can you catch Montreal or, or Red Bulls? Yes, I think easily. I think you can easily do that. Well, I think you heard it here first. That's what the Revs can do easily get third or fourth. Um, mm -hmm. Jake. When uh, when this happens or doesn't happen, where can people find you on social media to yell at you? Um, I'm going to be asleep, but you can always tweet me at jcadanese43. Uh, occasionally, I read uh, at the Bent Musket on Twitter. Occasionally, I write the Bent Musket on Twitter. You can find me usually uh, doing the Saturday or Sunday uh, game previews. Um, we're hoping. I say the word hoping because I, I I've started and stopped this about three or four times now. We are hoping to do at least one homage to Matt Turner column over the next couple of days when that might come out, I don't know. Um, but it should, hopefully it'll come out this week if, if uh, I can get stuff done on my off days before I go back into work. Um, because I think, I think there needs to be a, a send off to Matt Turner 
column that we that just I have not written yet, and I I would like to do that, um, and also sort of you know put the, the revs, arguably the last year and a half or so, kind of into a a, a great positive perspective because the Bruce Arena era, and what it has accomplished in just effectively I want to say what three years May May June 2019 is when he really took over, something um, like that know, yeah the yeah, the three years of the Bruce Arena era and and what it already has meant to this organization um is is uh is alt is is altering it's it is life-changing stuff for this organization and it it deserves you know that type of recognition at this point and hopefully i can do that justice i probably won't i'll probably just ramble on for two thousand words like i always do but eh, <laughs> no it's awesome well jake thank you so much for taking time to join me tonight and to go through all this and everybody you know stay on the lookout for that matt turner goodbye column that may or may not be coming uh, who knows? It's yeah, going to be a surprise no if it comes. Yeah. It would be surprised if it doesn't. Um, <laughs> but hey, you can follow me over on Twitter at Chris Lucas. And of course, follow the podcast as well on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Revolution Recap. And please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Be sure to check out our friends over at the Bent Musket, including Jake. Uh, lastly, if you feel so inclined to support the podcast any further, you can consider becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash revolution recap thank you to the sponsor of this podcast colossal kits remember 50 percent off at colossalkits.com uh using code revs recap uh and i think that's pretty much it thank you again so much for listening it's a long one so if you made it to the end genuinely thank you so 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 much for listening uh we'll be back next week after the revs host fc cincinnati and go revs walmart plus members save on meeting up with friends Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths and where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.mx slash you know. Hey, friends. Are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.